and Dennis Stewart joining me, Jane Klein. And Dennis, what have we got on the program for today? Jane, I thought we'd uh, follow up something that we touched on at the end of last program when we spoke briefly about diabetes and I raised some cautions about um, attempted self-treatment of that. I thought today we might follow on, differentiate type 1 diabetes from type 2 diabetes and look at the way in which type 2 diabetes uh, can be addressed and helped by way of diet and lifestyle change. And we will also take your calls, anything you'd like to talk to Dennis Stewart about, something to do with feeling good. That's what this program's all about, Dennis. That is indeed. And right at the moment, though, we're going to start off thinking about diabetes because we did talk about that a bit last week. We touched on it um, briefly in response to uh, some information circulating in the media that uh, a young boy or a young person's life was lost as a result of interference in the medical management of his uh, diabetic condition. And I thought today we might just touch on that topic again and initially differentiate between what's called type 1 and type 2 diabetes. And for the sake of listeners who want to follow up on this fascinating health topic, I might mention a book that's been written for the layperson, but a very sensible work on Diabetes entitled Diabetes Type 2, You Can Reverse It Naturally by Dr. Sandra Cabot and her colleague Margaret Jasinska. Now I've used this uh, text both in lecturing and I supply it to my clients and my patients. It's an excellent little work, so anything that I say today uh, should be followed up by reference to this text and particularly people out there uh, who are battling what we call late onset or type 2 diabetes or insulin resistance to people like that who want to uh, help themselves do something for themselves and work with their medical practitioner in perhaps getting a better result do get hold of the text entitled Diabetes Type 2 You Can Reverse It Naturally by Sandra Cabot and Margaret Jasinska, an excellent text that, as again I say, I found most helpful over many years. And to start with, in that text, she adequately uh, differentiates between what we refer to as type 1 and type 2 diabetes, and listeners probably aware of the difference, but type 1 diabetes, that's a condition essentially where and not enough insulin can be made, uh, by the pancreas, and therefore insulin medication is necessary, absolutely necessary, under the doctor's administration and monitoring for survival, and any attempt to interfere with the medical management of type 1 diabetes is fraught with problems, and anyone giving advice or seeking to treat it who is not a medical practitioner is contravening the law. It's so serious. But when we come to what's called type 2 Diabetes, and I must confess, Jane, that that's where I come into the situation because um, I'm borderline type 2 uh, diabetic uh, or insulin resistant, albeit, albeit, uh, I manage it myself as a result of diet and herbs, and a lot of the information that I utilise has been gathered from uh, Cabot's text, which I've referred to, and type 2 diabetes is quite different. It's a situation where Insulin is being produced, um, quite adequate levels of insulin, but the body bluntly is not utilising it or taking it up. And so we get what's called 
insulin resistance. And this affects particularly uh, people at my late stage in life, <laughs> although it's not restricted to that. And this is where with type 2 diabetes, and I'm sure your general practitioner uh, would encourage this, this is where type 2 diabetes can be helped, particularly before it reach or reaches the stage requiring medication. So we'll talk a little bit more about what can be done in order to work to lessen type 2 diabetes taking off or working with a way of improving uh, insulin resistance. And, Dennis, we do have a call coming in, and uh, we might as well take the call, I think, don't you? We may as well, Jane. Andrew has rung in, and uh, he's come in from Soldiers Point. And, Andrew... Hello. Um, hello, Mr. Stewart. Hello, Andrew. I apologise for breaking your conversation about That's diabetes. That's okay. That's okay. It's very important. And I've got a boring question that you answer yeah. repeatedly, psoriasis. Okay. Yes, Did look... I once mm. hear you on a program saying that you had, um, years ago, made an ointment for it. I thought you said it was licorice-based. What Correct. Was that? Correct. Wrong. A cream. No. Well, first of all, for the sake of listeners who may, who may not be aware of, of what you're talking about, Psoriasis, not to be confused with cirrhosis, by the way. Cirrhosis is a condition of the liver, whereas psoriasis is a condition of the skin. Uh, Commonly, well, when we say commonly, more people experience psoriasis than what we probably appreciate. A significant percentage of people battle with the skin condition that takes on what we might call staly, oh, not staly, scaly flaking characteristics typically seen on the elbows and knees, although it can spread all over the body, as you're probably aware, including the head, and can be quite a nasty and troubling condition. And of all skin diseases, I would say that it's probably one of the most difficult to manage, albeit, let me emphasise this, albeit in the area of of what we might call complementary medicine, that is medicine uh, using, if you like, natural substances, there are some approaches which over the years I've found useful. And certainly one of the topical applications that I have found useful, uh, particularly where the psoriasis may be restricted to specific areas, is a preparation based, interestingly, on an extract of licorice. And I think a couple of weeks ago I mentioned that the extract from licorice was known as glycotinic acid, and we refer to it as GA. Hence what are called GA creams, which occur in the dermatological literature, particularly prior to the cortisone era, uh, GA creams are used to address uh, certainly skin conditions characterised by inflammation and itch as we get in, say, eczema and dermatitis, but also uh, glycotinic acid, the extract of licorice, usually combined with juniper tar, uh, is used and sometimes quite effectively in managing a psoriasis topically. So it's a cream that, if you've not utilised, might be worthwhile trying. Again, I say, particularly useful where the lesions are restricted and are amenable to a topical application such as this. So a GA compound uh, is the cream that uh, I have manufactured for my patients for years. I have it at my rooms at 39 Alma Road, New Lambton, and many, my, many of my patients uh, depend on that preparation to help uh, control their condition. Let me emphasise, psoriasis is not an easy condition to treat medically or naturopathically. 
And I, my opinion is that anyone that says otherwise um, will be cautious. But certainly as far as topical applications go, GA compound, glycotinic acid with a little bit of juniper tar is a useful way of doing it. But also don't overlook the possibility of herbs being useful in this area. And as I think it was last week I mentioned, one of the most important herbs that's called up in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia is the old-fashioned herb sarsaparilla which in the correct dosage persevered with over quite a few months can sometimes see the condition quieten down. This is Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. And 49216216 for your questions. Beryl has rung in from Belmont. Beryl, what would you like to ask Dennis about? Oh, about uh, uh, pins and needles in my hands at night, and it, it's so bad it wakes me up. Okay. Beryl, is it only at night that you're experiencing it? Oh, good morning, Dennis. How are you, Beryl? <laughs> well, thanks, other than getting the pins and the needles. Yes. Do you, do you only um, get it at night, or do you experience it during the day? Well, it, it wakes me up at night. Okay. Uh, it's so severe, mainly in my right hand, a little in my left, but mainly in my right hand. Okay. And, um, oh, I, I just wondered, you know, okay. what could be the cause? Has, have you had a discussion with your GP about it? No, I haven't, okay. Dennis, it, it, no. It, it might be worthwhile because uh, pins and needles and, and conditions like that can be associated a little bit with what's called carpal tunnel syndrome. Right. And carpal tunnel syndrome um, is, is a condition where the, the nerves uh, feeding the digits, if you like, are being squashed by, oh. by a carpal tunnel. I'm being colloquial here in what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. it, would, it would be worthwhile raising with your GP, although, to be fair with carpal tunnel, it can occur outside of uh, being in bed. But it would be useful to raise it with him, particularly if it's been there for some time. But mm-hmm. I'll, give, I'll give a few suggestions yes. that are not going to cost yes. you a lot of money um, and may, and let me emphasise, may be of benefit to you. On the off chance that it might have something to do with a carpal tunnel condition. Mm-hmm. I have demonstrated over many, many years that uh, doses of vitamin B6 mm-hmm. in conjunction with a high-potency B-complex vitamin. Have you got that? complex yeah. Now, B6 on its own, round about 150 milligrams of B6 per day, reinforced by what we refer to as a high-potency B-complex. The reason Mm -hmm. being here that even though we're singling out vitamin B6 as the leader of the pack, all B vitamins tend to work better when they come together. So I have, based on the information from a text that I've used even lecturing at the Arimba campus years ago on this topic, a book by Pizzorno and Murray, um, two American leading medical naturopaths, their recommendation, mm-hmm. high doses of B6 with high doses of, of, of the B-complex. Um, if that is going to do anything, it usually does it fairly promptly, mm-hmm. and it is inexpensive, and you could procure those supplements, obviously, from your um, pharmacy. Yes. Go to your pharmacist, talk to him about it, and they're not expensive. But also, also don't rule out... Um, the potential usefulness of magnesium supplementation. Magnesium. Magnesium supplementation. Supplement. Now, what I would do is not, I would not go gung-ho on it. You've had it for a while. Um, try the B vitamin approach first, the B6 
reinforced by B complex. Give that a go first before you move towards trying some magnesium. Okay, I'll do that. So B6 and then B. And you've got to have, you, you take it with the B complex because mm-hmm. remember, the B group spectrum works best when they're all combined, albeit in this case, uh, based on Pozzorno and Murray, we're isolating B6 and giving it as a higher emphasis, if you like, than what would normally happen. Okay, Beryl, that sounds like a good line to follow. And uh, do remember that if you would like to hear some of this advice again, this program will be available on podcast through our website to nurfm.com. So Health Naturally and your calls on 49216216. And Mick has rung in and he's from Brankston and we're returning to the topic of diabetes, Dennis. Hello, Mick. Hang on, Dennis. I'm well indeed. Uh, I've got type 2 diabetes. Yes, I know it well. Yes, um, I've also got a beautiful big maple orange tree that comes into fruit, you know, ripes, ripens in around about um, June. Yes, I've got one in the backyard too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, if I have juice of one, of one and a half or two of those every morning, is that going to knock my diabetes around very much? Let me, let me approach this by saying that I'm always cautious about... Uh, how can I call it, bypassing fruit in order to get fruit juice. I I have said for years that um, a lot of fruits uh, converted into a juice can convey, if you like, a lot of sugar, which could be a problem. However, having said that, a couple of pieces of fruit per day, from my perspective, is is, is absolutely necessary. Uh, But what I would say is I think it's better to, to eat your orange rather than just juice it. Why not have two or three oranges rather than just use the juice? Um, I think when you do that, you get the broad-spectrum benefit, not only just the vitamin C content. And by eating the fruit, um, it's, in my opinion, better than, than juicing because when you juice, generally speaking, you tend to use a lot of fruit in order to get a glass of juice. And a lot of fruit may convey, not necessarily the orange, but a lot of fruit may convey a lot of sugar, which could become a problem for people that are trying to manage their diabetes with diet and lifestyle. In your case, a couple of navel oranges a day is not going to hurt you one iota, and even the juice from a couple of oranges is not going to hurt you one iota. It's when we start moving on from that and, and encourage people to, to bypass the fruit and drink copious amounts of fruit juices, that has always worried me, Mick. We, uh, we share the, uh, the oranges, my wife and I. Yep, good. She doesn't like the pulp. That doesn't she? So I get all the pulp. Well, the pulp has, has, got, uh, the, the pulp has got a lot of what are called bioflavonoids in it. Yep. And bioflavonoids are one of my most favourite natural substances. They're remarkable substances. Anyone who has uh, vascular problems, vein problems, uh, should uh, eat the pulp and get as much bioflavonoid from the fruit as you possibly can. But no, look, you go for your navel oranges, everything in moderation. And um, again, I come back to the point, try and get hold of uh, Sandra Cabot's book, Diabetes Type 2. You get it from Sally Bowen's practice in Cumberland Street in Cessnock. We stocked the book there. It will be worthwhile getting hold of because it's almost a Bible for me and it's helped me and helped many of my patients, my students, over the years. Sally? Sally Bowen. She runs Bowen's Natural Therapy Centre in Cumberland Street, Cessnock, just up from the produce store. Ah, yeah, uh, 
uh, Goldman's. That's right, I buy my stuff from Goldman's. Good yeah. people. Sally's just up from them. Okay. So that's, this book is going to be really very useful, isn't it? Is it is indeed, and it's a lovely little book, well presented, easily read and full of information. Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre, and we're taking your calls on 49216216. And Dennis, Sue has rung in from East Maitland. Hello, Sue. Oh, good afternoon, Dennis. Look, I'm um, 60-ish, yes. and um, I'm sick of being feeling bloated. Okay. Now, is this constantly with you, or is it just episodic? It's episodic. Okay. Look, bloating can be caused by a number of um, factors. Um, yes. You're, you're embarrassed by your abdominal distension, are you? The swelling and the... Uh, and yeah, the, it's just uncomfortable. And the wind that might go with it. Look... Not, not really. I don't have that problem. Oh, well, that's good. It's it. got the bloating. Okay, look, a couple of little things that I would suggest. Over the years, I've found that... Uh, using what are called digestive enzymes are very, very effective. Digestive enzymes tend, in my opinion, to supplement or augment the body's digestive secretions. And my interpretation of bloating is, uh, particularly as we get older, that it has a lot to do with what we would colloquially refer to as sluggish, in inverted commas, digestion. So by using digestive enzymes, which are very safe and inexpensive, this can improve, in my opinion, particularly the breakdown of protein. So yes. I would suggest that what you do is go to your health food store and get some yes. digestive enzymes and start to take those. Now, also, in herbal medicine, there are a group of herbs known as carminatives. I'll spell that for you. C-A-R-M-I-N-A-T-I-V-E-S. Now, carminatives refer to a group of herbs that are usually characterized by what we refer to as essential oils. So carminative herbs are brilliant in their ability also to address bloating. And herbs such as, for instance, uh, peppermint, uh, aniseed, uh, dill, uh, fennel, all those herbs in any form are particularly useful for reinforcing the benefits of the digestive enzymes. And I stock, I stock a little product. It's not my product. It's made by an Australian company, Nature Sunshine. They produce a product called Stomach Comfort. Note that yeah. down, Stomach Comfort in the Nature Sunshine range. That is based on carminative herbs, and it's in an encapsulated form, and it walks out of my practice. It is so useful for this condition. So I'd be most surprised, Sue, uh, if you didn't get some benefit by using some digestive enzymes and yeah. carminative herbs as represented in that product that I've referred to, Stomach Comfort. If you can't get them locally, you can always get them from my rooms in 39 Alma Road. Okay, look, I thank you so much, Dennis. See how you're going. Get back on and let us know, Sue, because uh, listeners are interested to know how people respond to some of the ideas that we talk about. 49216216 for your call to get through to Dennis. Amanda, you've rung in from Cardiff. I have. Your question for Dennis? Is there anything that I can do naturally for spinal canal stenosis? No, look, I wouldn't think so. Amanda, this really is a, is a medical condition and uh, complementary medicine is useful, but there would be nothing that I'm aware of that uh, yeah. we could offer for this condition, unfortunately. Okay, what about sciatica? Well, sciatica can, some, sometimes sciatica can be relieved. Um, are you receiving treatment for it presently? No, I'm just putting up with it. 
Oh, well, you could do a little bit better than that, I think. Sciatica <laughs> uh, is not, not the best condition in the world uh, to experience. But if we, if we look at what are called herbal medicine approaches, um, yeah. there is a South African herb that was made famous by the, the Germans and the Dutch uh, when they were in South Africa. The name of the herb is Devil's Claw. Terrible name, uh, but yeah. it is named after the appearance of the herb. And... Um, Devil's Claw has a reputation of being useful in managing aspects of neurological pain and something like sciatica is one of the indications in the pharmacopoeia for the use of Devil's Claw. So uh, no guarantees, but it's not an expensive herb. It comes in many forms. You would get it from your good health food store there in Cardiff. It's yeah. worthwhile giving a go. And to NURFM, it is 17 to 1 and Health Naturally. Dennis, um, we, have, we have Peter who's rung in from Karua with a question for you. Peter. Hello, Peter. Oh, good day, Dennis. How are you? Oh, well, indeed. How's Karua? Oh, going great, mate, since the storm. She's getting cleaned up. Oh, is it really? That's, it didn't knock the oysters about, did it? Yeah, it did, unfortunately. Oh, damn it. Yeah, the SES deserve a medal for the good work they've mm, done. The great people. Excellent they were, mate. Yeah. yeah. How can we help you? Um, I was suffering from depression, and yes. I'm, I'm off the um, antidepressants. Yes. And what I've been using, I got yes. put onto a herb called Damiana. Damiana. Yes. And I found it works really well. Yes. But is there any side effects if you use it too much? Uh, Damiana is one of the safest of herbs to use. It is used for a number of reasons and certainly um, mild, mild depressional states uh, can sometimes be benefited by it. Like most of the herbs that we refer to on the program, which are over-the-counter products, that is, they don't require a medical prescription, they have an incredible amount of safety associated with them. Now, having said that, having said that, any substance, natural or otherwise, can become a problem if it is abused. But Damiana I have used for easily 35 years in my professional career, and your indication is is a good indication for its use. I have never, let me emphasise, I have never seen any side effects or adverse reactions coming from a long-term use of the American herb Damiana, and if you're getting a benefit from it, uh, in my opinion, it's, it's much better to stay on it and remain well rather than take the risk of drifting back to where you were. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, I actually sleep better with it. Yeah. Um, it relaxes me. It's, it's just great. Were you put onto it by a practitioner or just a, a health food store proprietor? Uh, oh, yeah, you'd laugh. It was a hippie, actually. <laughs> oh, no, well, that doesn't surprise me. I was a hippie once. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he said, try this, it's a lot better. Oh. But I said, I'm off, off them, and you still have moments where you get a bit... Sure. Anxiety or whatever, but it's been great. It's been, to me, it's a godsend. Oh, look, um, I uh, I know a lot about the herb. I know how it's grown, where it comes from, other uses that it uh, that are used for some quite spurious. But your use is um, is very good, and you owe a lot to that hippie, as we all do a lot. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Hey, he's a good bloke too. Don't hold that against him. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a little bit of the hippie in all of us, isn't there? <laughs> so thanks. Uh, good on you, Peter. Thanks, Peter, for your call. Four nine two one six two one six to get your call through. Now, just um, before we go on to um, our next call, Dennis, cactuses, cactuses, cacti, any good for? Is there a use for them? In well, there the there are natural. Um, in fact. Medicine. There's a herb called cactus grandiflorus, 
commonly known as Night Blooming Sirius, C-E-R-E-U-S. Now, it in herbal medicine is used very effectively to address uh, anginal conditions. Uh, anginal conditions in their early stage uh, can be helped uh, with uh, night blooming uh, cereus or cactus grandiflorus, particularly when it's combined with the herb that we spoke about last week, the hawthorn berry. So yes, cacti play an important part uh, in herbal medicine. There are other members of the cactus family, but the one that I'm most familiar with and still use selectively, of course, and in medical conditions that are appropriate, is cactus grandiflorus, when I can get it. It's difficult to get, very expensive to get, but quite effective. Well, the Hunter Cactus and Succulent Society is having an open day tomorrow well, and an auction. Uh, so that's tomorrow, Saturday, in Charlestown. At I the wonder Charles... if they have any uh, Cactus Grandiflorus. I wonder. If they have, I'll be there. Right. <laughs> Let them get back to you, Jane, and if they have, contact me. I'm there. <laughs> Definitely. So it's at the Charlestown Multipurpose Centre in James Street, Charlestown. From 11 till 5, it's open. Everybody's welcome to go along. There'll be plant sales, auctions, plant displays, and more. Morning tea available as well. And Kate can tell you more about this. 0402 239 to NURFM. In touch with your community. For our sponsor, Elders Real Estate, Elder Street, Lambton. Local people with local knowledge. Health Naturally, for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre, taking your calls on 49216216. Heather's rung in from Minmai. And Heather, what would you like to ask Dennis about? You there, Dennis? Hello, Heather. I've just been diagnosed with bowel cancer. Yes. I've had major surgery. I've lost half a bowel. Yes. And the appendix and all the rest of it. Yes. And they're just waiting for me to heal. Within two to three weeks, I'll be starting chemo and radiotherapy. Yes, yes. Is there anything that I can take? I I, I have no idea what this entails, how it's going to make me feel, but any herbs or medicines that I can take to make it easier? The first thing I would say is this, that um, many people who are having chemotherapy and radiation therapy, uh, whether their doctors know it or not, uh, many of them, if not the majority, usually take something or do something with the view of seeking um, to assist, reinforce or comfort themselves. Now, having said that, the first thing I would say is that it's wise when you are seeking to do anything in additional to what your oncologist is offering you to make sure that, A, that the oncologist is, is okay about it. And it's, it's unusual in my experience, it's unusual in my experience for oncologists to vigorously oppose um, some of the natural things that people are using. I think probably because they realise that most people are going to use something in any case. Yes. And, and secondarily, um, oncologists, even if they um, are perhaps sceptical about some of the benefits of, of natural medicine, so long as there is no serious toxicological consequence of using some of the natural stuff, are not necessarily opposed to it. But always, always seek to get the oncologist on side and be guided by what he says. Yes. It's very important because they are the ones that are seeking to save your life. But having right. said that, having said that, over many years I have noted that people tend to use the following substances uh, for most uh, chemotherapy and radiation procedures. I'm not recommending it. I'm mentioning a few supplements 
that I know many people are using and claim benefit from. And interestingly, the one supplement that is increasingly and popularly used around the world, and from what I've been told is almost almost acknowledged supportive therapy in places like Japan, is a preparation called PSK. P-S-S-K. Now, PSK is an extract of Coriolis versicolor, which is a a particular uh, fungus that's um, cultivated in Asia and converted into a medication that's used to support the patient's immunology. It's a very popular medication, and interestingly, only last week, uh, a couple of patients of mine who are well known to me, their son, who teaches in Japan, uh, is undergoing chemotherapy and radiation therapy for a particular cancer, and they have taken over to him some PSK, which is well known in Japan and is used as supportive therapy or complementary therapy uh, for this particular procedure. Now, uh, we have information on PSK at my rooms at 39 Alma Road. I'd be happy to give you that information free of charge to show your oncologist. I couldn't see, I couldn't see uh, how it would uh, clash because it is not a pharmacological entity, it's closer to a nutritional entity, but I could give you the information, show your oncologist. That's principle number one. And the second uh, supplement that I know many, many, many of my clients and patients are using in the context of uh, chemotherapy and radiation therapy are what are called bioflavonoids. And one of those bioflavonoids called quercetin. Q U. How would I spell that? Q U E R. Q U E R C E T I N. C-E-T-I-N, that is being put forward very, very popularly as a useful agent also to work with this procedure. And again, uh, if you come to the rooms, we'll be happy to run off for you from the appropriate references, the information on bioflavonoids and their potential benefit in seeking to work with a therapy like this. So PSK, some bioflavonoids, I can give you the information Run it past your uh, oncologist. I'd be surprised if there was any vigorous objection. Okay, well that's that's good to know. I will definitely call in this week and get and, that and, information. And be given to you free of charge, Heather. Just okay, Heather. Yes, it's always good to um, see how much, you, much how much help you can get. Very much so in that sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Roger from Bolton Point. Hello, Roger. Uh, yes, it is. Hello, yes. Roger. Yes. Yeah, Put- Dennis. Mm-hmm. How are you? Um, good, thanks, Mark. Good, good. Uh, just a question. Um, any natural sort of help for polymyalgia? Okay. You're obviously on prednisone, are you? Correct. And what about 5 MGs? Uh, 15 a day at the moment. And you're coming down to 5? Well, hopefully uh, I'll be coming down to 10. Okay. How long have you been uh, working with the steroid? Uh, just a couple of weeks couple of weeks the normal procedure with polymyalgia and by the way for the sake of listeners polymyalgia is a very very painful um, muscle condition and very debilitating and the standard management is to uh, to treat it with what's called steroid particularly prednisolone and at at a fairly high dose in order to get on top of it and then wean the patient down to a lower dose usually 5 mg's and then at 5 mg's if it's stable to seek to gradually wean the patient off at that level. Uh, what I would say is this, I have a patient presently 
who has been very dependent on steroid for a long period of time, who has never been able to get below 5 mgs of prednisone, uh, we have helped her uh, very successfully come to the point now where she's off steroid completely and there's been no regression and she has done that by using a bracket, interestingly, of Blackmore's celloids, mineral substances, uh, which are called up in the Blackmore's literature, and also by using a concentrate called curcumin, C-U-R-C-U-M-I-N. Oh, excellent. Right. Now, you're at, Bolton, you're at Bolton Point. If you went um, to the Warners Bay Health Food Complex there, uh, yep. you'd be able to get hold of um, the, the celloids and the uh, curcumin, and I'd yep. be surprised. That, I think it would probably be useful for you when you get down to about 10 mgs to start warming up with those substances then so you've got a head of steam, so to speak, so that when you come to the lower level of steroid, you've got a better, better chance of weaning yourself yep. below that 5 mg. A good uh, line to follow. So thanks for your call, Roger. And uh, that's almost the end of Health Naturally for today. We just had a question from Jeff Mm. who rang and uh, wanted to know the name of the Damiana. Damiana, was it? Yes, Damiana, D-A-M-I-A-N-A, botanically known as Turnera, T-U-R-N-E-R-A. Uh, very easily procured. Excellent. And that's Health Naturally for today. Thank you, Good Dennis program, Stewart. Jane. Thank you. We'll be back again next Friday after the uh, midday news. Coming up, we've got news from the Hunter Newsroom, and uh, then Sally Lucas will be along to talk travel after that. And uh, well, she's got some interesting things to do for us as we perhaps feel like getting out in the fresh air, cycling in New Zealand. How does that sound? That's coming up after the one o'clock news on 2NURFM.